0: Welcome to Act Three, the podcast where we explore how to thoughtfully shape the rest of our lives. I'm your host, Kara Gray. This podcast is sponsored by Good Morning Freedom, my retirement coaching service where I help executives and professionals plan their Act Three. For more information, stay tuned until the end. Today, we welcome to the podcast Marty Whalen. Marty served as CEO of Martin Whalen Office Solutions, a third-generation family-owned business providing office machines and document technology to businesses in Illinois since 1936. After selling the business to Xerox in 2012, he participated in the first cohort of the Inspired Leadership Initiative at Notre Dame. Now splitting his time between LaPorte, Indiana and Bozeman, Montana, he is enjoying retirement but he remains active as the co-founder of Crossroads Solar, a domestic producer of solar panels based in South Bend. Crossroads Solar is a mission-driven business. All employees are formally incarcerated people transitioning back into society. And I can't wait to hear all about this. Marty, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Garrett. It's nice to be with you.
0: Cool. So, I have been starting all of these interviews with um, what pre-retirement life looked like um, when you were CEO of Martin Whelan Office Solutions. You know, what did your days and weeks kind of look like in that capacity?
1: Well, we were a office technology and really a sales company. And, and uh, my grandfather started it in 1936. He was a typewriter repairman during the uh, Depression. So from humble beginnings, we built the business and and my dad actually got sick when I was thirty-one, and didn't didn't work a whole lot after that. So it was up to my brothers and me. I have two brothers in the business, and we grew the business, and uh, and then ended up selling it to Xerox in twenty twelve. So you know, a typical day would have been attended by meetings, and uh, you know, managing the business and making sure that we had the necessary pieces in place uh, for the for the success of the business. I think at the end we probably had close to a hundred people, and uh, so it was you know a good sized business for southern so the Southern Cook area and uh, Will County and uh, your hometown.
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. I am based in Chicago. For those of you that don't know yeah Um. like how many hours a week were you working was it crazy yeah you know you, Even when you own your own place it's I a think, lot
1: I think a, a 60 hour work week is pretty standard if you're if you're running the business um, and in a in a strange way my dad when he ran the business lived 50 minutes from work so he had he had a decompression drive home um, yeah I lived about three minutes from work so there were nights when I couldn't sleep that I ended up going into the business, just thinking like, (laughs) Hey, I got to get this off of my mind. It wasn't necessarily a good thing. Um, but you know, you put the time necessary in to build the business and, uh, and we, my, my wife and I had four kids, so that was a busy time. And I handled the business and she handled a lot of the home. So, uh, we made a good team and, you know, you try your best to get a good life balance. But to, and I remember those days that they were, they were stressful. I'm, I'm happy to be less stressful now.
0: Yeah. But, um, I am hoping to talk to a lot of folks that are in the process of selling their business. What was the exit like for you to sell to a big company like Xerox?
1: Yeah. You know, we were very fortunate. We had built a nice business and we had a lot of nice customers, uh, and so we took good care of them and had a good reputation. So that brought to the table, some manufacturers that uh, were interested in, in market expansion and we provided an Avenue for them and uh, they provided an exit for us. And, you know, it was an interesting thing because uh, my brothers and I got along very well, get along very well. As a matter of fact, they were out with me last weekend. So we still see each other very frequently Um but we we had made a kind of a conscious decision that we didn't want the business to go to a fourth generation. We thought that uh, third generation, you know, we had all been raised by the same mother and father. But the fourth generation, that would have been cousins running the business, and many people, you know, can t- can navigate that successfully. But we just didn't think it was a great formula for success. Um, the other thing is. You know, we we just kind of read the tea leaves a little, and my my brother Joe was really good at this. He's very forward thinking. And uh, the industry as a whole, you know, is is putting marks on paper. And with everything being digital, we just saw kind of maybe this would have been a good time to rethink our strategy and, and what we were doing. But I, I got to tell you, I've kept in touch with a lot of people in that industry, and it's still vital. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's still a lot of people printing things. I I still print. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I print it out, when I'm working off over of right here. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's I, not I think going
1: there's a hundred ways to make a buck in this world, and if you work hard and take good care of customers, you know, you'll do fine. Exactly. So tell me about
0: um, after the sale. Did you take off to an island? Did you no, 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 what no. What was what was your first move after no. it was
1: done? Done. Yeah, the way the way Xerox worked their uh, their acquisitions was you become part of their small and mid-market business. Um, So I was what they call a core president for, I had a three-year contract to run the business. And then I I ended up staying there about five years after we sold. I was still young enough. I still had a passion for the business and and enjoyed it. But after five years, um, and there's a big difference, frankly, between running a, a privately held company and one that has to, Report to Wall Street every month or quarter, yeah. and uh, it was just time for me to move on. You know, I, we used to joke that you don't sell your business to work harder, and i I think I worked pretty hard there for a few years and uh, and enjoyed it. But it was time to move on and uh, do the next chapter of my life,
0: yeah. So tell me about that, and at what point did you take some time off, or at what point did you get involved with the program at Notre Dame?
1: Yeah, okay. so um, we had grand plans, my wife and I to travel the country. Um, we, we had four kids in college, uh, a senior, junior, sophomore, and freshman that were in four different time zones in, in the country. So we actually bought a sprinter van and we were going to travel the country. Um, but that didn't work out as, as we had planned. Um, the, uh, the, the, my my wife Kathleen read a uh, read a story in the New York Times about a, a program Notre Dame was starting called the Inspired Leadership Initiative, yep. and I think it was in the article patterned after the Stanford program and the Harvard ALI program, yep. where you go back and you kind of figure out what the next you know chapter of your life is going to be like. So I applied for that and was accepted into the initial cohort, and um, really it was good timing for, for me, for us um, to transition into whatever that second chapter was going to look like. So I, it, it came along at a really good time for me and I took full advantage of it. And uh, I don't want to say I planned out a good second half that's presumptuous, but uh, I think that, you know, the transition would have been really, really hard for me without having some discipline and the opportunity to to step back in the space to really think clearly about what I wanted to do, you know before that i it was probably a six month period where where I was a, a little bit of a little bit adrift, I would say, um going into environment sure. without a plan, without a real good plan um, and you know you you can figure that out over time, but the discipline that that i l i um program afforded me um, really helped. For sure. Um, was that a year
0: program or two yeah, years? Yeah, so it's an was
1: academic it? year. Okay. And, and you take classes uh, with the regular students. So Okay. They, it was the first year that Notre Dame did it. So I know i have kept in touch with some students and they were like, "Who? who is this old guy in my class? Uh, mm. Those students have since graduated. Uh, yeah, so... And then after that, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, work at Notre Dame. So I oh, okay. talked to the Dean of the college of arts and letters, which is the humanities and social sciences, uh, portion. And she wanted to stand up a program for career uh, engagement by, uh, arts and letter students. So, you know, business students seem to do all right with the whole career thing, um, but if you're an English major or a philosophy major, what are you going to do? And the answer yeah. is, you can do an awful lot. And yeah. I, was, I was very passionate about it. And so I was really fortunate to get this opportunity. And for a few years, uh, got this program up and running for arts and letters students at Notre Dame, which, Cara, I I laugh to this day about they must not keep transcripts for very long at Notre Dame. I wasn't a particularly good student at Notre Dame. I mean, I got my B's and things like that. But um, in a in a in a weird way, I might have been the perfect person for this. Um, you know, I was that kind of regular Joe student who needed some help finding jobs and things like that. So I think I empathized pretty well with students who are discerning what their career moves are going to be or what they need to do to find a purposeful career.
0: Yeah. Um kind of goes hand in hand with where you were at that stage in your life as well. Like you were looking for more
1: purpose and I was, there going it was through it myself.
0: Yeah. I think that alignment is amazing. Um, how did you find out about that Notre Dame program in the first place?
1: Yeah, there was an article in the New York Times. Oh, that's about, right. Sorry, you said that. Yeah, um, but my but my wife and then uh, called over there and talked to the the gentleman who was running it and uh, it sounded like a, a program, and it was great because my wife could participate as little or as much as she wanted. Okay, we, we got to take some. We got to take advantage of a couple of Notre Dame gateways, which are their campuses around the world. I think we were in Rome in uh, in the fall, and Jerusalem in the spring. So it really was a fantastic program. I look back on that with uh, a lot of joy.
0: Nice. So tell me how that program uh led to you being a co-founder of um crossroads solar okay well we got to back up a step okay okay i'm missing a
1: piece yeah (laughs) um so notre dame has a program called the moreau college initiative and basil moreau was the founder of the holy cross order and that's the priest order that runs notre dame anyway they have a program called uh or moreau college initiative where men in prison can get associates and uh, bachelor's degrees through Holy Cross College in South Bend. Nice. And that's kind of like a sister school run by the same order of priests as at, at, at Notre Dame. And I had an opportunity, a, a friend of mine in college is incarcerated, and I had never really encountered our justice system, uh, thankfully but he's in prison and, uh, I went to visit him and I've stayed a friend of his. Um, and it really made me kind of look deeply at our, our criminal justice system. Um, I know that's not the topic of this podcast, but, uh, you know, it's it's important. important. Yeah. Yeah, It's broken. It needs to be fixed. It's uh, prison ink. It's just, we as Americans should demand better. Anyway, I, I got involved in, uh, in this Moreau College initiative. And I ended up teaching in the prison and I taught some math classes, a uh, uh, a speech class. And then I, then I taught or started there in order to get uh, a Holy Cross degree, you have to complete an internship. So as the businessman turned professor, I started to uh, find internships for the uh, seniors in this program, guys who were gonna graduate. And that was typically, you know, some business contacts I had and that we would find a project that I could bring into the prison. The men couldn't leave um, and they would do the work and then I would return it to the business. So there were, you know, meaningful opportunities for the guys and something to get on their resume that they had done something uh, to better themselves while getting a degree in prison. And and so through that, through that organization, um, I met another guy, Pat Regan, who was a was a a political science professor at Notre Dame and he was also teaching in the program although I had never met him out there teaching Um, you kind of go in and out do your class and you don't interact a lot with other professors so I had never met him but I met him and he had this crazy idea of uh, starting a business to employ these men or formerly incarcerated people because in in one of his classes he, he said uh he made mention of something and then a student said hey professor that doesn't work your people don't hire my people and pat said well who who are my people and it's it's us we're the people on the outside and you know yeah. we cast a, a a black net over the people who have been formerly incarcerated and even with a college degree it was very difficult for them to get jobs that paid a living wage yeah and so Pat and I decided to start a business. It was his idea of the solar panel because he was also a climate professor at Notre Dame. And so everything kind of worked together. Uh, he calls it a 21st century business, you know, something that helps the planet, something that helps the people. And so, yeah, we started that business um, right in the midst of COVID. Uh, wow. and yeah and so it's just been a a fun thing. I'm I'm more of a silent partner. Pets Pets proven to be a very good businessman and doesn't need a lot of my help. But he uh you know we we talk and I've guided him through some kind of basics of business but he's just proven to be a, a you know a stellar CEO.
0: Yeah that is it's just it's important. I don't care that this is not the subject of this podcast it can yeah, be yeah. for right now. Yeah. Um and I'm and you know, yeah, yeah you ahead.
1: mentioned it at the beginning but um so I think right now we have 16 or 18 employees but we just got we just got new machinery in that will allow us uh, because of this inflation recovery act that Joe Biden and Congress signed in to law mm-hmm. we've got a, a a great opportunity so we bought new equipment and we will ramp up production by four or five times and so we'll have 30 or 50 people working and we pay them a living wage um yeah and so, you know, I, I think that uh, if you go to Crossroads Solar website, you'll see some just amazing human interest stories that uh, of people who have been given a chance to reenter society. And it's just an amazing thing to witness somebody who's been beaten down for a while to kind of come back and realize I'm a good person and I'm getting back on the horse. And so if we can help some people do that, then, um, you know, that really is something of great purpose and and a pretty nice second chapter that I was fortunate enough to be able to be involved in.
0: Yeah, when what you're doing is, I I mean, I'll definitely put the link to the website in the show notes here. Um, I mean, it's a great business model for other people that are in the manufacturing world and maybe other industries as well. Um, I would love to shout about this
1: to the world. So
0: thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what do your days and weeks look like now, Marty?
1: Well, now I'm I'm transitioning into a more uh, traditional retirement. And so my wife and I split time between Bozeman, Montana and LaPorte, Indiana. Um, I play a little golf. I play a little pickleball. Uh, Two of our kids are out here. So it's an active lifestyle out here. And then back in Indiana, I'm still connected in the Notre Dame community. And my family and my wife's family are all from the Illinois area, so we get to, we get back and we get to see them. A bit of travel. Um, one nice thing that happened this summer is I had the opportunity to go teach at Notre Dame in Ireland. Oh, cool. And so, uh, yeah, a, a friend of mine through the ILI program and I went back and held a bunch of sessions for their summer school for the business students and the arts and letters students who were there doing internships on finding purposeful work or, you know, a meaningful career. So I don't know, I've kind of taken on this thing in my second life about, you know, being a quasi expert on how to do this purposeful work. And uh, it was very unintentional. And I am not an expert. Uh, I am finding out how it works as I go along. Um, But it's awfully fun doing so.
0: Wonderful. Um, Do you have any words of wisdom, words of advice for those that are, you know, right up a couple of years out from a retirement, thinking about how they're going to find purpose.
1: Yeah. um, You know, I, I would say that I would, I would say this, and this is from, from my time at Notre Dame. If you think you're going to get a quick, easy answer to this or read a book, and you know say oh gosh I'm glad somebody told me this um the answer is probably that's not going to happen so you do have to put some time and effort into it and coaching I think you know looking back and it would have been a great thing to to avail myself of um there's some things you got to learn for yourself a little bit there's some things you have to learn about yourself um so so it's very much a process or a journey if you will um And it took me a while to, to realize that I think that, uh, you know, when you're running a business and you have decisions to make, those decisions are are quickly, you know, they're either right or wrong. Um, and you course correct if it's wrong, but when you're thinking and discerning about your future, you know, it's not that black and white where the answers are, oh, oh oh, gosh. Yeah. And, and frankly, it's different for everybody and everybody's makeup. so my advice would be maybe, you know, to read some books, get some help, um, talk it through with people. And the more planning you can do, I think, and this is generally in life, the the better off you'll be. Um, thinking back to that six month period where I quit working and before the Notre Dame program, yeah, that was, you know, like I said, I used the word adrift and I just think mm-hmm. back to that and I didn't have a great plan. I would have figured it out. Yeah, It's just that it it would have taken me a little bit longer and maybe a little bit more pain involved too. Um, but, you know, that's part of part of the growth is going through some things that are a little uncomfortable too. Sorry. Any any transition is just a time of, you know, figuring out what's next and what I can do best and where I fit and, and things like that. So I'll tell you two things, I, two pieces of advice that I would do. I did read a lot of books and two books that I really loved was one was Shonda Rhimes. She's the producer. I think of Grey's Anatomy. I've never watched Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy, a ton of things she produces. Yeah, she does so. everything. Yeah, she's, she does yeah. everything. I heard her interviewed on the radio, and and she talked about being an introvert, and then really, so many people were, you know, tabbing her for things to do like dinners or awards that she just stopped. She stopped doing any of those, and she really became insular. So she wrote this book called The Year of Yes. And uh, I just found it a fascinating book of kind of thinking thinking differently about, you know, your your life when you're really busy and running a business and uh, you're on boards and things like that. And it can get pretty easy to think, you know, high and mighty of yourself. And, you know, I'm not going to do that in uh, in retirement. I'm not going to do any of those things. But I read that book and I realized, you know, that you're not busy. Those are just fun things about living life. And so that, that reading that book probably was the reason I went into this ILI program thinking like, Hey, I'll, I'll do that. And even out here in Montana, there Montana state university has a a program called Osher lifelong living. So I'm continuing to take classes that interest me. Um, no grades, you know, that's, that's pretty nice. (laughs) That's a fun part. Notre Dame too, either. Yeah. That was, that's nice. Um, but, but The Year of Yes, I just found to be a fascinating book. And more than even a book is kind of a lifestyle choice where, yeah, I'm going to say yes to a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have done before. And I like some of them and some of them are a complete waste of time. But as I used to tell the Notre Dame students, it's not a waste of time if you learn something. And now I know I don't like certain things. Um, the the other uh, book that i really liked was arthur brooks i think it's called from success to success um it's a book about the second chapter of your life yeah and that and that gave me a great perspective on the kind of expectations of what you should you know be thinking about in your in your second chapter because your first chapter he goes through it in depth and detail your first chapter is really about excellence you know you're going to be the best ceo you can be and he points to a lot of like everybody wins their Nobel prize between the ages of like 28 and 35. And then after that, it's downhill. <laughs> um, and, but, but it's not downhill. It's just a subtle switch. And he calls it like from fluid intelligence to crystallized intelligence, what we might call wisdom. Um, and I, I was especially taken by a, a chapter in his book about detachment from success. Um and so, at a certain point where you're building your business, and you know you're measured by either dollars you're making, or community involvement, or you know recognition within your field, or something like that. Second chapter of your life, you really have different measuring devices, and it's much more, you know, who you are and your relationships and uh, a spiritual life. Perhaps he he talks a lot about that, and I just thought it was a good kind of primer. And, but it really, it really helped me shift focus from, I don't have to be the best golfer. I can enjoy golf as a bad golfer. Um, That's and right. I enjoy it more now than when I used to play well. Um, <laughs> and it's just kind of a, a reframing of what, what you're in it for and how you measure success. Um, and so, so there's a couple of books, if you want specific things. Uh, Fantastic. Specific. Again, yeah, I'll put those I just, in the show notes for people to check out because I just you know loved them both. Uh, yeah. And I continue to read and everybody, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a familiar theme. You don't have to go far to find a book about how to have a happy and healthy retirement. Um, so, and that's why, you know, there's coaches. <laughs> that's
0: why I exist. That's right. <laughs> well, Marty, this has been a really Great conversation. I think it's added a tremendous amount of value for the folks that have listening. And I thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah, I hope, I hope that somebody gets something out of it.
0: <laughs> I guarantee you they will. Thank you so much. This podcast is sponsored by Good Morning Freedom, my retirement coaching firm. I help executives and professionals plan the non-financial part of their retirement, like how to discover new purpose and how you want to spend your time I offer a one-on-one coaching retirement blueprint package where we work together to discover some new avenues of exploration for your Act Three. This coaching is completely custom and will provide you with a ton of resources and support as you transition to this new stage of life. For all the details, please go
1: to goodmorningfreedom.com slash services.